A lot of times we get to these closing verses of an epistle, and it seems like... Um, you know, it seems like they're kind of standard, kind of monotonous, if you will. You know, you've read one, you've read them all. But uh, that's not true necessarily. And secondly, they're all good. Amen. Even if they are uh, alike in many ways, that doesn't mean that these are, uh, these are any lesser truths in the entire letter. In fact, Paul, I'd say, puts more in a, in a good buy than most of us can put in, uh, a, a, you know, the, the body of a letter. And Paul, there's a, these, these last few verses are, I mean, just stacked and stuffed full of good doctrine and practical application. And so I'd like to unpack just a few of those things. This will be kind of a shotgun message, if you will. I'm going to usually most of my messages, I think anyway, some of y'all might have a different opinion, but most of my messages maybe have one point that I'm trying to drive at, you know. Uh, some of my messages are pointless, and uh, but... Uh, uh, but some of them have at, have at least one. I'm trying. This will have a, a couple, kind of a shotgun style. I think there's several several things here at the end. You know, because the final word of a letter uh, is kind of usually contains uh, uh, kind of some maybe last minute things like, oh, hey, don't forget this, and don't forget this, and don't forget this. And so I think that's kind of what we have here. And so let's look at these things, and then we'll go home tonight. Verse 20 is where we'll begin, and we'll finish out the the epistle here. Verse 20, Philippians 4. Paul says, Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And I want to call the message tonight just very simple uh, title, just to kind of give it a, uh, just kind of put a bow on the end of this uh, this study uh, tonight. I just want to call it a final word, and that's what we'll title the message tonight. Just a final word, just a just a word imparting, a word by way of conclusion uh, that Paul is giving as he is. Uh, wrapping up this letter. A lot of subjects have been uh, dealt with. A lot of things have been uh, addressed. I think about uh, how Paul addressed, like I said before, unity in the body. He addressed courage in the face of adversity, uh, humility in the fear of God. Uh, purity and doctrine. You remember how he warned against false doctrine. Beware of dogs and the concision and all those, the Judaizers that would want to try to put you under the law. When he talked about courage, remember he said about Philippians 1.27, striving together for the faith of the gospel and nothing being terrified by your adversaries, uh, being bold in the face of adversity, being pure in doctrine, having a discernment of truth, having peace in troubled times. He talks about being content with what you have and all these things, having faith in God, believing that He is able and that He will meet every single need that you have. You give to the work of God. You be faithful in the work of God. He will take care of you. Have faith in God. All these subjects have been covered and more, no doubt about it. I think I counted it up yesterday and I don't remember. I want to say that I've preached about 26 messages. I think this might be number 26 or 27 from Philippians. So that's, I mean, there's a lot of things covered here. And some of those messages I didn't even preach out of the Bible, did I? I mean, just stuff I made up off the top of my head. So, uh, man, I tell you what, just there's so much, uh, uh, so much stuff here. 
that he has covered. And after addressing all these important topics, here's how Paul decided, and of course he's under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, don't forget that, but from one point of view, from a human point of view, Paul closes his letter with these things on his mind, extremely important truths. I find three, and there may be more, but I think we can, we can categorize them in three different uh, categories, three important truths in his final word as he closes this to the Philippians. And as far as we know, this is the last time he ever communicated with this church. It would not be long. He's in prison in Rome, and it wouldn't be long that he would uh, be killed. He might be released from prison for a little while. just depends who you, who you ask on that, who you read. Some say he was, uh, he was released for a little while and then imprisoned again, and then write First Timothy, second, or write Second Timothy and all those things about being offered. Uh, but, uh, but, but this is the last bit of communication he'll have. What does he want them to know? What's important? The last words to this church, what is he going to say? A church that he loved, a church he established, a church he commended for giving uh, by all measures, such a, an above average great church. What are the last words that he would like to express to these people? Well, number one, and we'll just jump right into it. There's three things. Number one, the first truth that I see here, it's in verse number 20, and the first thing is glory is the purpose of God. Glory is the purpose of God. And that's in verse number 20. He says, he wraps this thing up by saying, now unto God and our Father. Now don't don't miss the reference to the deity of Christ in that verse right there. It's God and our Father. Uh, he's speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Son, God the Father. Uh, Jesus is God, no doubt about that. Now unto God and our Father. What does he say? Be glory forever and ever. Amen. This verse right here is what uh, some would call a doxology. You'll see that throughout Paul's letters. Sometimes it's at the end. Sometimes it's right in the middle where he's stating something and I think he just gets so full. I think he just gets so happy that it just he just has to let a little pressure off, right? Has to just let a little steam off. He says, man, glory to God. Man, the truth that he's writing about, the Spirit of God inspiring him and flowing through him, through his pen and on that paper and, and uh, thinking about these truths and how wonderful they are. Man, he just can't take it anymore and he just has to have a shout and spell. He just has to get happy just for a little bit and give glory to God. That's called doxology. It's an exclamation of worship is what it is. It's almost as if these truths that he's been expressing, they begin to swell up inside of him and he's just got to let the release valve do its job just a little bit, relieve just a little bit of pressure. By the way, that ought to happen to us every now and then. Man, it ought not to be. This book is not a dead book. This, is a, this book is alive. These truths are alive. Man, the Bible ought to do something to your heart. I don't care if it's a Friday night camp meeting or Wednesday night Bible study. Man, if it's the Word of God, it ought to mean something to you. It ought to get a hold of you. Man, don't just seek to understand it up here. Man, if it goes in here but never goes in here, you're missing out on the best part. Amen. Uh, 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 theology ought to have some doxology with it. Amen. In fact, I like what somebody said 
said, they said this, theology without doxology is idolatry. Amen. And that's exactly right. People that just want to make, there are people that make an idol out of theology. Did you know that? They just want to accumulate information and be some kind of, you know, be filled full of information. Listen, if what you learn in the Bible and what you read in the Bible, if it never causes you to look up and raise some hands toward heaven and say, whoa, that's good right there. Thank you, Jesus, for that truth. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Man, if that never causes you to do that, listen, then you are missing it all. Amen. It ought to make you step back every now and then and just say, glory to God. Amen. This is good stuff. Amen. Knowledge puffeth up, doesn't it? And if all you use the Bible for is to gain knowledge, you're going to be some puffed up prideful fool is what you are. Amen. My Bible, if I was going to write a Bible verse, it'd go like this. All right. I hope this isn't blasphemous, but the Bible verse I wrote is something like this. Knowledge puffeth up, but worship deflateth. Amen. Worship, it, that's what it does. Worship will get you at the... Real worship is when you're at the feet of God and you're at His feet and you're saying, Lord, not unto me, but unto you, God. You deserve all the glory. And if you just put in and in and in and just say, well, you know, I, I can tell you about, you know, all the different, you know, all the toes on Daniel's statue and I can tell you about all the seals and the trumpets and the vials and revelation and I know this and I know that. If that's all it is right there, you just a puffed up fool is what you are, amen? But I tell you what worship does. Worship will keep you humble and keep you hungry at the feet of Jesus. And the point of studying the Bible and the point of looking at it is not to have information, but it is to see Him and it's to worship Him and give glory to Him and honor to Him. Don't you ever forget that. Amen. Don't ever forget that. Paul's bringing all these truths, the contents of this Letter to a glorious conclusion. And the glorious conclusion is this. It's all for the glory of God. Every prayer that was recorded in this letter was for the glory of God. Every command that was given in this letter is for the glory of God. Every promise that was given in this letter is for the glory of God. Every commendation, every compliment that Paul made about the Philippian church, that was for the glory of God. Every warning that was given in this letter was for the glory of God. That is the purpose of everything. Everything is about the glory of God. It's all about His glory. If you want to be on board with God, if you want to be going in the same direction with God. Live your life for the glory of God. Study for the glory of God. Love the glory of God. For Him to be magnified and Him to be exalted and Him to look good. And if you'll live your life for that, listen, your life will be smooth sailing. I didn't say no problems, but you won't be, you won't be swimming against the current because everything is happening for the glory of God. And if that's what you're concerned about, then it don't bother you when trials come your way and troubles come your way. You know why? Because you realize that there is a God in heaven that is working things out for His glory. By the way, it all ends. This whole thing consummates at the very end with the people of God around the throne of God saying, Thou art worthy to receive glory and honor and power. It's all for the glory of God. All for the glory of God. The sooner we learn that lesson, man, the better our life goes. We're not trying to use God to promote ourselves. God's using us to promote Himself. That's what this whole thing's about. Our dear brother Caleb tonight expressed his burden. You know why he's going to Idaho? For the glory of God. 
Amen. You know why we're here tonight? For the glory of God. In fact, I think you say everything's for the glory of God. Oh, yeah. Everything's for, everything ought to be for the glory of God. In fact, Paul said, even down to what you eat and what you drink. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. He said, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. It's all about His glory. So the plan of God is glory. And he put an amen on it. I like Sometimes the preacher just has to amen himself, don't he? I had to do that a little bit this morning. Y'all were doing a fine job. I just, I just wanted to add a little to it. Amen. That word, you know what amen means? It just means so be it. Settle. That's it. That's it. I mean, just a settled issue. This is what it is. No change. It's just what it is. And uh, it's truth. It's truth. When you say amen to the preacher, somebody says it's like saying sick him to a bulldog. Amen. And uh, that's truth, but it's what it's saying is, preacher, I believe it. That's truth. I believe it. I'm for it. Amen. When you amen the truth, that's what you're doing. He puts an amen on it. Glory forever. And I like that forever and ever. That just means that's, I mean, that, that's what's going to happen throughout all of eternity. That is the eternal plan of God, the glory of God. So glory is the purpose of God. Everything. I love how he brings this letter down and he reminds us it is unto God Unto God be glory. Unto God and our Father be glory. It is all for His glory. Every letter, every word, every phrase, every paragraph, every, every statement here, it's all for the glory of God. So it's the purpose of God. Number two, glory is the purpose of God. And then in verses 21 and 22, I want you to notice that there is a greetings to the people of God. There's greetings to the people of God. Look at verse 21 and 22. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. And so he's talking about in these closing words here, these are salutations, these are greetings at the end of his letter here. And this is so common to a lot of Paul's letters at the end. You know, it's almost like you ever, you ever see somebody out and about and you say, you know, tell your mom and them we said hello, you know. And tell you, y'all know what mom and them means, right? Tell your mom and them we said hello. I mean, tell your, you tell, listen, my people are telling your people hello, you know. And we always say, you know what, that's probably, you know, that's probably where I've lied more than anywhere uh, in my life, you know. Somebody says, you going to tell them I said hello, would you? Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. I never hardly do that. I don't ever, you know what I'm saying? I, and I'll even, you know, I'll tell Heather, guess who I saw at the store? Guess who I saw, uh, who, guess who was my cellmate last night at the, at the gym? No, I'm just kidding. But guess who I saw? And, uh, and I'll tell her that I saw him, but I don't ever relay the information. You know, they told me to tell you hello. I don't hardly ever do that. And so confess your faults one before another. Amen. The other lie I tell all the time is when I tell somebody I'll be praying for them. That's the next one right there. <laughs> about to say, I, think, I, think, I feel right at home in here. Amen. Amen. Now, what I should say is uh, we'll be gossiping about you. Amen. We'll be, we'll be talking about you. Amen. Where, how did I get off on that? Oh, yeah, talking about telling mom and them we said hello. Amen. And so it just said, you know, just tell everybody we said hello, greet somebody. But, but I want you to notice that word salute, do you see that? Verse 21, salute. And the word greet. And both of those, the word salute is in verse 21 and 22. The word greet is in verse 21 at the end there. Those are the same exact, they have the same exact definition, those words right there. In fact, if you were to look up Strong's Accordance, it would be the same word, translated from the same word. It just simply means this. It means to enfold in the arms 
is what that means. It means to embrace. It means to receive joyfully, to welcome, to wish well. It's what, what it is, is a hug is what it is. Hug them for me. Hug your mom and them for me. And give them, give them a hug. Salute, greet, say hello, warm welcome, to wish somebody well, to embrace them, to hold them in your arms, to receive them joyfully. And I love this because Paul is describing the kind of relationship that ought to exist between the people of God. That ought to be what it is. That's the relationship that ought to exist between the people of God. And I notice a word here. I'm going to point this out. Look at verse number 21. He says, salute who? Every saint. Every saint. Y'all know what I'm about to preach on right here? Okay, good. I just want you to be ready for it. That means this. Look, if, if there's somebody you can't shake their hand, if there's somebody you can't hug their neck and tell them you love them, they something wrong. Amen. You see somebody at the grocery store and you go the other way. There's something wrong right there. Amen. He said, salute every saint. Amen. You say, well, you know what? I got something against it. Well, get it right. Amen. You say, well, they won't get it right. Well, that's their problem. That's on them. Wave at them anyway. It'll mess them up. Be nice to them anyway. Amen. Smile at them real big anyway. It'll just make them real mad. <laughs> now don't do it because you want to make them mad. Okay, at least not, I mean, you know, you might do it at first like that, but then work on it a little more after that. But he said, salute every saint. Listen, can you literally, could you salute every saint? Is there anything in your heart? Paul, of course, he's been talking about unity, hasn't he? I mean, that's kind of something that, that he had brought up already. He even called two people's name by name, right? Euodius and Syntyche, you, you and you. Y'all need to get on, get on the same page. Somebody help those women, amen. I wanted to throw that in there one more time before we leave. Help those women out. Get them on the same page together. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. Because that's the truth. Listen, if you're saved and they're saved, listen, y'all are in Christ Jesus together. We may not even be a part of the same local church, but we're a part of the same body of Christ. We're in Christ Jesus together. Amen and amen. And Paul notes, I love this, he said, these saints that are with him in Rome, they're sending greetings to you. Now, obviously, they're not there to physically embrace one another. But it's almost Paul sending, his, sending love. He's, he's saying, if we were there, we would embrace, we would hug. We, we love you. Love each other on behalf of us, that our love is being sent to you. And we're greeting the saints that are at Philippi. This, there's not only a, a, a blessed unity that Paul is promoting between people in the same church. I want you to know, this is, these are two different church bodies. These are two different churches that are sending love one to another, even between different churches. I hope you all know that just because we don't go to the same church as somebody else, I hope you know we're not comp we're not in competition. We're not in competition with nobody. I don't want to compete with nobody. 
Amen. You know why? Because I don't like to compete over anything with anybody. I'm not, there's not a competitive bone in my body. Some people are just burnt. They got to be number one. They got to win or it just burns them up. I never got that. I just, I just sit back and say, well, you know, all right, congratulations. You did a great job, you know. There's never been, I remember even when I, uh, I'm more into sports now that I don't play sports than I was when I was a kid. My parents tried to sign me up, you know, push me to sports. And my mom's, you know, I remember playing basketball. Mom said, why don't you try to go after the, get the ball, go after the ball. And I'm just like, I don't know. They're just doing a good job. They, they seem to be handling it just fine. I, I didn't really want to run up and down the court. I didn't want to do all those things. I was a bench warmer. I sat on the bench. He thought, man, were you upset about that? No, not really. I, I like traveling with a team because we... Uh, we'd uh, get to hang out with the cheerleaders and the, and the, over here. Heather was uh, one of them. And, I, and we got to go eat after uh, eat on the way, ride the bus and eat, go out to eat on the way home from the game. That's what I enjoyed doing. I enjoyed flirting with the cheerleaders and eating at Wendy's after the game. But I, I don't want to be in competition with somebody else. I'm not checking the sword of the Lord to see how many baptisms and attendance numbers and all that stuff. When I get around a bunch of pastors and they start talking about numbers and, and, and all these things, I just change the subject. I, 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 just don't, I just don't like talking about it. You say, well, maybe if you had more than them, you would. I don't really think so. I don't think I would. I just don't like talking about that kind of stuff. You know why? Because, man, we're just on the same. You know what I'd rather talk about? I'd rather talk about, hey, what God show you out of the Word of God? What, what you've been preaching lately? That's what I like to hear. What you've been studying? What you've been looking at? Because I might want to borrow some of that. Hey, man, I like that. Man, we're not in competition. And I don't care. Hey, listen, and if they've left here and went to another good Bible preaching cell, listen, they ain't it. We're, we're, not in, we're not in like little tribes and, and not building our own little kingdom around here. It's okay to wave at them and be friends with them. Everybody okay with that? It's all right. Everybody take a deep breath and calm down. Amen. Now, I don't want nobody to leave and go anywhere else, and if you do, I'll hate you forever and you're dead to me. But at the same time, we got to love each other. Amen. <laughs> Every saint, the ones that are over here, we love y'all over there, and y'all way over here, y'all love us over here. Amen. We love each other. All the saints salute you, verse 22. And I like this, chiefly, mainly, primarily, they that are of Caesar's household. Wow. You know what? That's neat right there. There's a church in Caesar's house. Does Caesar know about this? Does he know that they're having church in his house? Man, there's a church in Caesar's palace. Man, did you know? Listen to this. Can I tell you something? God is working in more than one place at one time. We ain't the only church where God's doing stuff. God's got stuff going on all over the place. He's got stuff going on in places you don't even know about. He's got stuff going on in places that you, you might think, God can't do anything there. You better watch out saying something like that. If God can plant a church in Caesar's house, God can put a church anywhere. Amen. Because Christians anywhere. Well, God will do things wherever he wants to do things. Amen. God will put... Christians wherever he wants to put Christians, amen. Even in places, well, God could never move over. And I would tell you, man, that kind of pride, man, that'll kill the whole, that'll quench the Holy Ghost. 
quicker than anything right there, looking down our nose at other places. Well, you know, well, they don't have as good choirs what we have, or they're, you know, they're, 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 they don't have all the, you know, standards we have, or this like that. Man, you want to quench the Holy Ghost real quick? You just start putting your nose down at other places. Amen. Amen. Hey, and by the way, I, I thank God for our choir, and I thank God for the standards we have. I don't plan on trying to change either one of them. All I'm saying is we ain't better than nobody, and if God wants revival to break out at some weird little church you don't like, He can do it. Amen. Amen. Everybody all right with that? <laughs> well, we ain't going to vote on it, but I'm just curious. Man, may God help us get to a place where we can greet every saint. So glory is the purpose of God. Greetings to the people of God. And number three, he talks about grace and the power of God. Verse 23, he said, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now, something that is very... Uh, similar in all of Paul's letters is that he begins every letter with grace to you or grace unto you. And that's the way it is in this letter. About every letter Paul writes is this way. Um, we'll find it here. Great. Verse number 2, chapter 1. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So he starts every letter out with grace to you and then he ends his Letter with grace with you. Grace go with you. It's amazing. It just speaks about the manifold grace of God, the, the multicolored grace of God, the multifaceted grace of God. God has grace to give to you, and God has grace that will go with you and that will accompany you. God has grace to give to us, and then God has grace that He desires to go with us as we obey His will. It speaks of the empowering grace of God. I love this definition of the grace of God. I, I, I gave you one this morning, but the, it's so... Uh, uh, James calls it the manifold, the manifold grace of God. The, the, it's just so multifaceted. It's so amazing. Uh, grace is not just God helping us moving in our direction in that aspect, but then there's another aspect that grace is an empowering uh, an empowering thing in our life. Grace is the God-given power to perform the will of God in any given situation. I love that definition. I have it hanging up in my office. Grace is the God-given power to perform the will of God in any given situation. How many of you know what it's like to God to put you through something, put you in something, but then He doesn't leave you alone. He gives you the grace that you need to go through it. You know what that is? That's grace with you. That's grace with you. He gives you the grace that, that accompanies you, the grace that goes with you as you, do, as you go through uh, whatever you are going through. And at the beginning of the letter, Paul always prays that grace would be given to the readers. Why? Why does Paul pray that grace would be given to them? Well, because Paul knows in order for them to hear it, in order for them to heed it, in order for them uh, to love it and listen to it and live it, what are they going to need? They're going to need grace. God has to give you grace. You need grace to listen and read the Word of God. Did you know that? As you read the Word of God, anytime you open your Bible, you need to breathe a prayer and say, God, give me grace to receive what you say. Because your flesh isn't always going to want to you know, go along with what's in the Bible. It bristles up. 
it, uh, it, it bows up just a little bit. We need grace, don't we? Grace to be given to us so we can take... And Paul, of course, this is a very nice letter overall. I mean, it's not like it's 1 Corinthians or anything. This is a very, this is a very uh, congenial letter. But there are some issues that he deals with in this letter, isn't there? Issues in the church at Philippi. And what does Paul pray? Just like any other preacher would pray, when you have to deal with issues with people and people that you love, God, give them grace to hear it. Give them grace to listen to it. I pray that... That you would give them grace. And that's his prayer always, grace. And then as he concludes the letter, he always prays, God, give them grace that will go with them. They put the letter down. They're done reading the letter, but now they have to live it. Now they have to put it into practice. Now they can't just be hearers of the word. they got to be doers of the word. And what does that take? That takes the grace of God to live in obedience to what the word of God says. There's not one command that you cannot obey for the glory of God by the grace of God. If it's in this Bible and it tells you to do it, I want you to know that God has grace to give you that will help you live it out. If he tells you to do it, he will empower you to do it. That's what he says at the end of 1 Thessalonians. Is it five? I want to say it's around verse 24. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. I love that verse. That means he called you to do it. He's called us to holiness. He's called us to godliness. He's called us to obedience. But then he'll also do it. He'll live it through you. And that's the grace of God. You can live for Jesus by the grace of God. You can live live humbly by the grace of God. You can live in unity with other believers by the grace of God. You can live in holiness by the grace of God. You can live with contentment in your heart by the grace of God. You can even be a Christian in Caesar's palace by the grace of God. There is grace that is given to you and grace that will accompany you and go with you to help you perform the will of God in any given situation. And that is His grace. And He prays that that grace would go with them as they close the letter and as they do their best to be doers of the Word and not just hearers of the Word.